Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. TikTok, TikTok, dude. Hockey season is around the corner. It's, We're, training camp's open this week. It's the calm before the storm, dude. We have no emails. Nothing is happening. What the hell are we going to talk about? <laughs> we do have some emails, dude. We do? We got a couple of emails. How am I not? Am I really? Yeah, look, right up there. You got those, dude. Oh. There's the two, dude. Oh, those are them. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got I, two emails. Okay. We've got some, you know, training camp roster news to discuss, the rookie games that happened against Anaheim over the weekend. And, dude, I want to know from you mm. who you're going to watch closely, very closely, as in outside of their home, closely, <laughs> over the course of training camp, dude. But I mean, should we start with the emails since you've got them open? Yeah. Uh, I think both of them are um, reactions to the last week's podcast, which I'm sure everyone has Perfect. listened to. Perfect. Um, this is Carol, who say who said that the uh, Marlowe quote was at a Sharks charity visit where someone was sticking a microphone in his face and asked him what he thinks about having the letter stripped. And Patty answered, I will have a letter by the end of training camp. I took that as an off-the-cuff remark by a rightfully irritated athlete. I'm sure others have told you this already, but just in case, nobody actually told us that, Carol. It's interesting to have that context, and that's true. I, I think we have to sort of discount that yeah. now, if that's what you say. I mean, what's he going to say? Well, I guess so. I mean, yeah, you get a, you get a guy in a weird situation, he gets a little mad at something. Yeah, he's, that's not exactly what I would call lashing out, but... Sure, uh, he's probably not happy about it, and he wants to regain his stature as a respected member of the team. I don't have it in front of me, which makes us podcasters and not journalists. Mm -hmm. But if I remember correctly, the same response was given in a text message, and that was the context of Purdy's comment. That's what I thought. So if he's said it twice... Mm. Carol, I can understand that being a get out of my face, here's my answer comment. Mm-hmm. But if he wrote that same thing to the beat writer, to the beat writer, then I think that's different. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. You know, if Marlowe was like, well, standard Marlowe, you know, blase, then you would expect nothing different. But for him to, come out and say that he wants to be part of the leadership of the group of this team after someone who was stripped of the captaincy, Mm -hmm. right? And now stripped of the assistant captaincy. (laughs) It's interesting. I think it's it's one of the storylines to follow, right? He might be naked like Slapshot. They're just going to take his uniform away. (laughs) (laughs) What else, dude? Dude, uh, we had a reaction from Tracy. Tracy and her girls were very tickled by us reading her email. And, uh, she read that over 70 players will be involved in training camp, and that's the epitome of giving others a chance. And uh, and she's going to take the stance that this is a Svengali move by the management, by design or not. So that's uh, that's interesting. We'll see if uh, management is, in fact, crazy like a fox, because we know about the crazy part. Waiting for the fox part. Yeah. <laughs> 
We'll find out, right? Yeah. I mean, it, Marlo's reactions, you know, the lack of communication with Thornton, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. I'm not sure if training camp is really going to be where we're going to learn anything. No. You know, I no. mean, those guys aren't going to play more than, you know, two or three games and very limited minutes. And in terms of giving opportunities to, you know, 60 or 70 guys, no, I think these guys are going to be in camp and the majority of them will never see any ice time. Right. Not the majority. The majority will. But several of these guys who are fringe guys are going to go back to junior or they're going to go back to Worcester or you know there's no intent of really having them be players that they're that we're looking at uh fairly seriously, but you know I think this transitions into two questions I have for you dude before we talk about the rookie games. Yeah. James Shepard who? James Shepard, dude. <laughs> oh. Our third line center, James Shepard, dude. Uh, oh, you mean Joe Pavelski? Our third line center? <laughs> I don't think that's the case anymore. Do you think yeah. that that's still the case? No. Not what no. I I think you can't you can't put a guy with 41 goals on the third line. I don't think that's the case anymore, which yeah. is part of the entire structural issue with this team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, who knows what's going to happen in terms of how they're going to use him. But Anyways, dude, James Shepard is not available for the beginning of training camp. He had a cleanup procedure on his knee that he had that major knee surgery on two years ago. Do you care? No, I got to be honest. I really don't care. (laughs) Maybe this is my cynicism finally wearing, wearing through, but... It's not that James Shepard was really a great third line center before. Does it really matter if we plug somebody else in there? Well, it it certainly is another roster spot that could possibly be available at the beginning of the year, which I'm actually kind of happy about. I I feel like at this point James Shepard is a is a fairly known quantity. Yeah, I agree. If we want, I mean if we want to look at this in the in the least charitable way possible from his perspective, James Shepard is a fourth line player that was forced to play third line last year. <laughs> Do we really want that to continue? But I don't. Or st- would we would we rather give that job to somebody who might actually be able to retain it based on merit? But I don't even think he's an effective fourth line player. Like he's uh, yeah, he's that's, a that's a debate. He's a point. top six forward who's not able to live up to his right. billing, so he's forced to play bottom six role, and he's not suited for that. I think he's tried, but and he did have two really great games. In yeah. the playoffs, right, and then completely folded like a house of cards, right. right, right. So, I guess we don't care. I guess maybe we're interested to see who's going to step up. You know, this could mean opportunities for some of these younger players, which I have a list of here that I want to get your opinion on. Well, Kurz has a list too. I might work off Kurz's list. Oh, dude, Kurz's list. What about my list? Your list, I'm sure is. Don't been- you think I'm more plugged in? Yes. Or maybe I used his list for my list. Dude. I think you How did. How dare you? I think you used his I list. I looked at it. <laughs> All right. Something else that the Sharks haven't done yet, and now rosters aren't set, but we usually see the Sharks have, in the past, a Dan Hynote of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, a Brad Winchester come in on a PTO, mm-hmm. uh, a tryout agreement. Other teams in the Pacific have... Players, uh, Jeff Delorier is with the Kings. Um, we have Jamie McBain, Matt Cassian, and Chris Barch with the Phoenix Coyotes. 
Rafael Diaz is in Calgary. Some other names outside the division. Paul Bissonette yep. with the Blues after a deal fell apart with the Capitals. And Jordan Tutu on a tryout with the Devils. That's right. So I'm sure there's others, but those are the ones that, that caught my eye. No players on a tryout with the Sharks because, hell, dude, we just give them guaranteed contracts. Just, just give them a million bucks <laughs> and get it over with. We got the money. Are you surprised that there's no one here? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that surprised either. I thought Doug Wilson said something to that effect that there won't be tryout guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and and usually the and and your representative sample of the tryout guys is exactly what uh, we normally see, i.e., Dan Hino, which is these uh, sometimes veteran, sometimes always sort of fringe players uh, in the NHL with some uh, history and at least some reputation that are brought in to see if they can revive or continue their NHL careers. And I think certainly based on the descriptions that we've gotten, the Sharks are not looking for players like that. We right. already signed Scott Hannon. Um, so. Which is, I'm, I mean, it's, it's the other thing that just makes that whole thing I mean, if you want to think outrageous. about it, if, like, if the Sharks did, I mean, we're, I, I guess I'm not in the charitable business today, but if the Sharks didn't sign Scott Hannon, he'd be on a PTO somewhere. Am I right? maybe yeah or maybe not i mean you know just anyone else valuing scott hannon i know so it's just a situation where i think they are making an investment in him almost as a coach and not really as a player i mean that's the vibe that i got off that signing i don't agree with it i would rather see another younger player taking that spot there's going to be a guy who's not going to be with the team because Scott Hannon is taking that spot. That's true, but let's put it this way. If Scott Hannon plays, that means there's there's guys matter when probably being the top candidate who can't who aren't able to prove themselves. I mean, the Sharks are going to want to put Matt Irwin in the lineup over Scott Hannon. Sure. And if Scott Hannon is playing, then that's more Matt Irwin's fault then it is Scott Hannon's fault for being on the team, at least in my opinion. But if Matt Irwin comes up bust, I would rather see Taylor Doherty. I would rather see Mirko Mueller. I would rather see Taylor Fadun than Scott Hannon. And I think we may very well get that rotation if this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very possible. I don't think that I don't see those two things as mutually exclusive. I think that if Irwin can't hold the lineup, then they say, okay, Doherty you're up. It's your turn. And I, th- I think you're right. I think they're holding on to Hannon because I bet you he's a hell of a worker in the off season. He does all the right things. You know, he's sort of like a Joe Pavelski kind of He person. wasn't terrible last year. Not at all. He was not terrible. Not at all. And I think you're right. I think they are, they, they signed him because, you know, he knows the Sharks organization. He's been here two different stints. Uh, he's probably really good in the locker room. You know, and can act as a as a. You mentor. mean our dysfunctional locker room? Yeah, which we'll talk about in a second, because uh, Kurz had something to say about that as well. Um, and you know, he can mentor some of these young kids, teach them how to make it in the NHL, as we've seen so many young players uh, do. It's one thing to make it into the league and be able to play a couple games, great guns. It's another thing to be able to play eighty-two at a high level. I guess it's just this is continuing with the mixed message that we've gotten from the GM and the coaching staff. We're going to turn it over to the younger players, but here's Scott Hannon. 
on a million dollar guaranteed deal when he probably would have never gotten that from anybody else. Yeah. And it's just a bad it's a bad contract. It was unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, what is he? What are you going to say to Scott Hand? Hey, I mean, he 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 could have been making half that, half. Yeah, five hundred thousand. Like, well, league, that, min, league minimums league, over that, but yeah. Okay, well, that what's what it used to be. What's the league minimum now? Five seventy five. Okay, something. dude. Sorry. Fifty five percent, dude. You tell him you Get couldn't have right. signed Scott Hannon for seven hundred. Yeah, I know. You gave him a million. I know. Like, it's, we just responded to the Pens Initiative uh, questions. Right. Like, Scott Hannon's making a million. Michael Delzato's making 1.3? Right. Come on. Like, it's just, it's a, a, a bozo, a bozo signing. And I'm sure uh, people have turned off the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, dude, let's take a look at the uh, the rookie game, and then let's get into some more training camp stuff. Um, I know you sat in front of your computer and watched both of the streams of the rookie games. Did you not? Uh, yes. yes liar! Liar! Okay, maybe. Liar! These games prove nothing. Dude, what do you mean? It proves the Sharks lost both of them. <laughs> Still can't beat the Ducks. Not joking. Anyways, the first game seemed like it was exciting. The second game seemed like it was boring. This is only just based on the amount of coverage the poor Sharks media guy gave it on the website. The first one had a great write-up, and the second one was like a third as long. Right. Second was like, like a two-nothing shutout. Yeah. Uh, things that were interesting based on what was written. Now, we're getting information based on a Sharks media employee giving his perception right. of the game. So, it sure seemed like our... Our boy Gabriel Boudreau mm-hmm. had a nice game in nice. the first game. Uh, certainly a lot of mention of Chris Tierney, who's a player to watch. Absolutely. And training camp, I think both of these guys are players to watch. Guys who've caught our eye in the past at the Young Sharks games and at the uh, at the scrimmage this summer as being interesting players, especially Gabriel Boudreau this summer. Ryland Schwartz apparently had a good game. This kid named John McInnes played for Minnesota State last year. Played two games for Lake Erie. He was playing on the top line with Tierney and Boudreaux. And some of the younger Sharks defensemen, Alexis Vernier, who was drafted this year, mm-hmm. and uh, a forward, Alex Schoenberg, who played in both games, is one of the only players to play in both games, got a real long look during this tournament. Any of those players that I mentioned, are you expecting any of them to make the team or Not- make a push? Not expecting to make the team, but Kurz mentioned Chris Tierney, and he, and he had a, a really good season with the London Knights last year in the OHL, which is an absolute legit junior league. Um, however, you know history is riddled with high-scoring OHL players that never even sniffed an NHL roster. So we got to see where this guy ends up. Certainly, you know, of all the years to try and make the Sharks, uh, this is your is a pretty good one for guys like Chris Tierney. So uh, you know, we've seen some. Players come out of way out of left field, and make the team. Guys like Ben Ferrio in the past, uh, Tori <laughs> Mitchell, right? I right. mean, not exactly uh, you know world beaters, but well, Tori Mitchell when when he was starting out was a pretty effective player. Oh yeah, there's no doubt, there's no doubt. So I, you know, the Sharks have certainly shown in the past that they've they've been willing to sort of take these guys that no one expected to make the team. And put him on the opening night roster, and I wouldn't expect this year to be any different, especially given 
you know, where they said they want to go. So, you know, Gabriel Boudreau may be one of these guys. Uh, you know, Chris Tierney may be one of those guys. Mirko Mueller is certainly in a different camp. He's a guy that I think, uh, as you aptly put, he if he doesn't make the team, that would be considered disappointing, I think, by most of the people that watch the Sharks. I think for fans and for management, it would be extremely disappointing. And there would be some serious questions about whether he is going to be the player they thought he was. Mm-hmm. Then they Maybe they've put unfair expectations on this kid. Mm-hmm. They've certainly been talking about it all summer. There's a whole thing about how he's put on weight. Right. He's put on weight. Which he's is, a big boy now. Which is good. So, you know, this is a... Physically, maybe he's more ready. I, I, I wasn't impressed by what we saw in that stupid scrimmage. Yeah. But, you know, where it was clear Matt Nieno was head and shoulders above everybody else, but someone like Gabriel Boudreau is popping out of that game. Yeah. And Mueller seemed indecisive, and for a guy who should be ready to make the jump, didn't stand out from other guys who are still in junior. So we'll see. I'm sure we're going to get a long look at him in the preseason, and we'll find out if he's ready. Other guys who are on Kurz's list and also on my list, dude, time again. Yep. We'll see. Uh, you know, he's. I think he's only got about thirty-five or forty NHL games over two different seasons. Um, we we would love to see him. You know, the the fact is, he had thirty-five, twenty goals in fifty-four games in, in the AHL last year. That ain't that ain't nothing to sneeze at. It, it's, you know, the AHL may be a minor league, but scoring twenty goals in the AHL is is no no easy task. So the fact that you can put the puck in the net. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him on a third line. You know, a little, little extra pop. He's a pretty big kid. I, well, I it, wouldn't mind seeing him on the team, that's for sure. He seems to play in the same style that his brother does, which yeah. is, you know, slightly reckless and the ability to score. And I, I know we we're, we were pretty surprised when Jamie McGinn got traded. Yeah. We, just having, we weren't happy about it either. No, and and... You know, he, he hasn't turned out to be a world beater, you right. know, in Colorado. But uh, I didn't think that that, that trade, I, I'm sure if they could go back and undo it, <laughs> yeah. they would because yeah. it, it did not work out well for for the Sharks. We'll see. Time again. Another guy, honestly, with the injuries to Shepard and to Torres, if he doesn't make the opening night roster, I'm going to be disappointed. We gave up a third round pick for this kid. Like, yeah, he... He should be on the opening night roster. He should be playing. Um, Daniil Tarasov, dude. Yeah, I don't... I guess he was... We've seen him play. We saw him play for the Bulls. Oh, yeah, we did. This kid is interesting. I mean, like, he... He has offensive upside, for sure. No doubt. He's crafty. He's creative. And people who like the Worcester Sharks love... Tarasov. Yeah. I'd... Can he play a bottom six role is the question, and I, I I think maybe not. Yeah. I mean, for someone who is described as the best offensive player for the Worcester Sharks, I think I don't think anybody is going to uh, consider the Sharks' third and fourth lines is going to be offensively gifted by any stretch. But, so but dumping maybe, him there. Well, but maybe the third line has just a totally different... I mean, what if the third line ends up being Tarasov, Tierney, and McGinn. Yeah, but I, I, you, 
you can't put those three guys on the ice against NHL competition and honestly think that they're going to be scoring goals at a regular clip. Well, <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't. Did, are the other options Adam Burrish and Tyler Kennedy? Right, but with those guys, they, they serve a different role. You put Tarasov on the ice, you're going to want him to be all those things you just said. Creative, crafty, sure, around the net. He's not going to be around the net much if he's on the third line with well, those Okay, well, guys. maybe putting them all together at the same time was not the yeah. best coaching decision. All right, but... Right. But having them on the roster and spreading... I mean, are the Sharks going to spread it out and have you know, three equal lines, you know, like they seem to like to do and stray away from that, you know, classic checking line. I mean, the fourth line with John Scott on it and Mike Brown is basically a waste of space. Yeah. It's, right. It's, so you're not going to put four. It's a four minute line. You're not going to put one of these guys with those, with those guys. That's true. right. That's, That's Desjardin enjoy. Right. right. <laughs> That's Desjardin enjoy <laughs> holding up the other two guys. <laughs> okay. Um, Trying to have a course of minus 80. Well, let's talk about Kennedy and Burrish and Desjardins. Yeah. I mean, are you going to be watching these guys closely in the preseason? Well, Burrish, it, it seems to be, can Burrish be actually healthy? That seems to be. But even if he's healthy, where does he figure into all this? Don't you think he's just been left for dead? Pretty much. I mean, haven't they replaced him twice? Not that he's John Scott, but. With Mike Brown, hasn't he been replaced? Are they going to roll out Burrish, Brown, and Scott? No, because Desjardins is the fourth liner. I think Desjardins is going to be, he's the guy who's going to anchor that fourth line, such as it is. Couldn't he be on notice, though, too? I mean, I don't think Scott's going to play much. I think Scott's going to play, and you might swap out John Scott for Mike Brown. I would be really surprised to see both those guys in the lineup. <laughs> on the same night. You're going to play Mike Brown when you need him to be a big pain in the ass, and he's going to go and run everybody. But, you know, Mike Brown's pretty fast, and he can. he's not absolutely horrible on the ice. I mean, we, we saw him. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not Sergei Fedorov, but, I mean, <laughs> you know, he can move. Okay? He's not terrible. But, but John Scott is John Scott is a intimidator. So when the Sharks need an intimidator, they'll sit Brown and they'll play Scott. So 12 games a year, they'll yeah. roll out John Scott. I, I, that's yeah. what, I don't I don't buy um, it, dude. I that's what I think. I don't buy happen. it. I think John How many Scott, games did he play last year? 40? Look it up, dude. 30? He didn't play a lot. I think that I think he's insurance. He's insurance against getting you know, having the good teams try and take the Sharks lunch money. Okay, dude. How many games do you think he played? 45. 45. Dude? Yeah. He played 56 games. 56 games. One goal. Well, that's because for Buffalo, but they're terrible. 56 games. Buffalo's terrible. The year before, he played 34 games. Yeah, I think that's going to be more likely. <laughs> and the year before that, he played 35. <laughs> I think those are the numbers that are going to be more. He played a he played a career high fifty six games last year. Yeah, look what I got him. <laughs> nice big contract. <laughs> I'd take that contract. Hey, dude, you know what? I I didn't even. What AHL team did Todd McClellan coach? Houston Arrows. Did John Scott play for Todd McClellan in the Houston Arrows? Because he uh, did play for the Houston Arrows two thousand six to two thousand and eight. Mm, that's possible. You have to look up McClellan. Are you doing like a Wikipedia rattle no, right now? I'm just I, I I won't waste the listener's time with that. I just find that interesting. Yeah. I haven't heard that connection made. 
All right, dude. Well, uh, we've already kind of mentioned the guys that we're going to be keeping an eye on. You know, I'm. I think the player I'm looking at the most, dude, is Taylor Doherty. I'm fascinated with this guy. He's a gigantic mountain. Ever since I stood yeah. next to him last summer, yeah, he is just huge, like a building. Yeah, and I'm rooting for him. I oh, want yeah. him to do well because if he can live up to his potential, this guy could be a huge addition, literally huge, to mm-hmm. the Sharks. So uh, I'm going to be looking at Taylor Doherty, dude. Okay. I'd love to see Mueller do something. He's got to make the team. I mean, yeah. if he doesn't make the team, it's really bad. I mean, like that's he's going to make the team, dude. I hope so. <laughs> I right, hope dude? so. Right, dude. Oh yeah, he's going to make so. the team. I hope so, uh, dude. I just wanted to talk about locker room stuff because we we were talking about that a second ago. There was there was one thing that uh, there was one paragraph that was kind of interesting that Kurz wrote in his article about Joe Thornton, um, and. Uh, well, let me say one thing. Larry Robinson suggested in an interview earlier this summer that not everyone in the dressing room was receptive to the affable Thornton's brand of humor, so maybe easing off a bit in that department is a good place for him to start. And he says, why the younger players that had an issue with his approach go either to him or the head coach or the general manager to relay that there was a problem? The Sharks want to turn this team over to the younger core of Pavelski, Couture, and Vlasic, but the fact that none of those players or others were able to repair the rift doesn't exactly re- reflect positively upon them either. By the time they went grumbling to their bosses in the exit meetings, it was far too late. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's but but here's what Curtis says at the bottom. He says the problem in the dressing room is fixable. Whether it happens will be an ongoing storyline from now until Thornton's departure or the playoffs next spring, whichever comes first. He so thinks it's fixable. fixable, fixable. Hey Joe, why don't you just put your shirt on and stop <laughs> running around with Slappy in yeah. the dressing room? I don't I mean, know. Let, let, <laughs> Listen, I mean, l- let's be honest. I mean, Thornton's basically had the run of the place since he got here, right? Sure. And now maybe it's way too late to try and put some restrictions on I where- think it is. How can you tell a guy who's a... No, how many years has he been playing this league? How many years has he been a shark? Since 97, since 05. Okay. Yeah. How are you going to tell this guy, come in and say, hey, um, by the way... Can you just alter your personality completely? I don't know if it's they want him to change his personality. I mean, we both have personalities, dude, but we don't act like this at work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, well, what's he in there? Pulling down people's pants? I don't know what he's doing. Jokes? I don't know what he's doing, dude. I'm just saying, like, you know, you can act one way in a workplace and sort of tone things down in a workplace based on the workplace culture. But it's funny. It's the younger guys that are like... Oh, this, this is how I'm, I don't like this kind of behavior. I understand. But still, the, the point is is that you want a, a culture that is good for everybody, not just the guy who has the run of the place. So does, the only way to fix it is for that guy to go. That's certainly the easiest way to fix it. <laughs> I agree with that. And that, that's the only way. I mean, I, I can't see asking somebody to who has been the main person in your dressing room and on your team to just tone it down. There's been guys that have completely changed the way they play hockey halfway through their careers. Right. right. Why can't you change the way you interact with other players? Won't in the you, room? Wouldn't you be wildly uncomfortable? Like you're walking around a room of guys knowing that 
half of them or however many of them went to daddy and complained <laughs> about you. Yeah. Like, I just, I think that that's got to be so awkward. Like, you're, you, you're looking around the room going, which one of you guys tattled on me? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I can. Like, how can they, I don't know how they can move past that unless they just, they need, if they can have an upfront conversation. Right. Like, whoever it is that said it says, I said it. Yeah. I, they all raised their hand. It was me. Right. I'm Spartacus. Right. <laughs> they all raise their hand. Okay. Then, then otherwise, I just think if you're Joe Thornton, you're looking around the room going, jerks. Right? I suppose. But, I mean, this is, this is, here's the thing, right? If you're Joe Thornton, at this point, you're a Hall of Famer, right? Right now, if you retire, you're going to get into the hall. You're a Hall of Famer with a giant asterisk next to their name. Exactly. As a guy who couldn't close the deal. Exactly right. So what do you think he wants to do? You think he wants to just say, okay, well, too bad. This is the way I am. And and what, and what go to a wild card where you don't know. I mean, maybe he can try and control where he goes. We Sometimes that works out. Like Marty St. Louis, sometimes it doesn't. You know, or he could be put off in Siberia of San Jose, why they suck, and he is pouty about it and says, "I want to, you know, pants Ken Huskins whenever I want." <laughs> it's an interesting. It's gonna. It's a really interesting situation, dude. And I was feeling more optimistic about it last week than I am this week. Yeah. I think the shines kind of come off a little bit for me, but Marlowe sounds motivated. And Thornton, from the comments that we've read, sounds motivated. So maybe these guys are going to come in and change their approach. And I want to believe, dude. I want to believe. I want to believe, too. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm saying it's possible. I totally agree with you that the best way to change the situation would be for these guys to leave the team and the Sharks move on. But I'm not going to say there's a 0% chance of... Uh, things becoming significantly better with Thornton on the team. I just think it's fairly low. <laughs> but that's my that's my silver lining. That's the only silver lining I can come up with in this situation. You know, I think Thornton does have some pride. I think he wants to win. Of course, I think of he course he pride. does. He wants to win. In of San course Jose. he does. And if you say, "Listen, dude, try not to be such a jerk to these guys," you know, maybe he's just one of those guys who's like really sarcastic. I don't know what the guy's like. I've never met him before. I haven't hung out at his house. I have no clue what he's like. You know, maybe they say, "Dude, just." Take it easy in these two two ways, and this might help some of these guys. Can you imagine? How about this conversation? So, <laughs> Joe Thornton's like in the corner with a whoopee cushion, going, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and Brent Burns walks up to him and goes, "Hey, can you can you get serious for a second? Oh, maybe they're in the corner. The woman, <laughs> and Drew's over there interviewing him. Right. Ah, so what color are your socks? Yeah, 20 questions. What'd you have for breakfast? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Who the hell knows, dude? I mean, we're oh, not there. We, have, we don't have no, the first clue. No, we're just clue. making jokes. I mean, yeah, we have no idea. I would love to know. Of I mean, course, I, I would love course. to get the inside Well, scoop. maybe uh, someday we'll get to talk to Dan Boyle. DP. You know, I think it, it's one of those. Uh, it's. I, I think all that stuff's held pretty close to the vest, even after you're oh, in the yeah, NHL. Sure. I, sure. I would love to get, you know, 
a, a sneak peek into into that kind of situation. You know, obviously, you know, we both work in, you know, I work in sort of corporate America. You know, we both work for, you know, larger companies or organizations. And, you know, you, you like to see how these things work. You know, certainly in Silicon Valley, you hear different kinds of cultures around, you know, all the crazy tech companies around here. You know, you get free food at Google and you, you have a meeting on a bicycle and all this crap. And, you know, you just, you want to know how these different workplaces operate you know what's the situation is it really just like the proverbial locker room with dirty jokes and you know guys you know snapping towels at each other or is there you know i i think it's somewhat more professional than that but i would i'd love to know one way or another so if you're a nhl player ex nhl player out there that want (laughs) to comment anonymously to this query i would certainly encourage you to do that well it's going to be interesting this is going to be an interesting preseason in in, in and certainly the most unknown yeah feeling we've had going into a season since we started the podcast really i mean i think expectations are lower than they've probably been ever you know since we started the podcast and the bracket is wider right the thing is it's you know in past years we sort of knew where the sharks were roughly you know they're at the top of the pacific they're going to make the playoffs they may not make it to the cup but they have cup aspirations but they're they're sort of in this spot the way the sharks are right now they could make the playoffs or they could be like last in the division. Like it could, the whole thing could just completely explode. the The variance of this team this year is so much wider than yeah. in previous years. Yeah, you're right it could too. just be a disaster from the get go. Anything goes yeah. <laughs> in olden days. Oh, great, it's for you, Scott. We had to put that in there. Come on, I know. For the listeners, by the way, yeah, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> he owned it. We're gonna, of course, he. Did. I knew it. Was there ever a question? <laughs> Anyway, uh, tune in next week. We'll have more uh, training camp stuff, and we'll be real close to preseason. So, uh, Woo-hoo! Getting, yay! Getting close. Meaningless hockey. Here we come. Cheers, baby. What? That's Carol Chan. show want to get your questions on the air email questions at dudesonhockey.com dudes on hockey is not affiliated with the Sharks organization or the national hockey league